0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, and ushers are coming forward with Bibles. If you don't have a copy of God's Word in your hand raise your hand they would love to put one of those in your hand this morning as we look at mark's gospel as we continue summertime outdoors isn't this beautiful being out here today praise the lord great weather and you folks sounded great singing, and we're just so thankful for the crew that has set up and welcomed and serving our kids today uh, in the German Hall, and, 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 and just a reminder that afterwards there's lunch and, and so many things going on, but in the summer, in the busyness, in the relaxed, relaxing aspect of this would we continue to keep bringing our bibles bring your journal bring your pen let's take notes let's follow along let's dig into god's word and we've been praying today that there would be few distractions because there's airplanes and birds and ooh, a bug and 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 you know a a loud car siren but we would just be able to be dialed in would you be even praying that right now just lord help us to stay dialed in listening to your word here today and, and, and so we're going to start here in verse 14 of chapter 1. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and, and, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they thought about it. No, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. We're going to do something a little different this morning as we start the message. Uh, remember that old game that we used to play as kids? And maybe if you have kids or grandkids, you still play this. Simon Says. We're going to play Simon Says. So Simon Says, let's play. Okay? All right. So Simon Says, let's play. Simon Says, touch your head. Good. Okay. Simon Says, raise your, your left arm. Okay. Good. 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 Keep, keep it raised. Okay, got to see the next one. Oh, um, and then raise your right hand. Uh, Oh, okay, no, no, you're bad. Remember I didn't say Simon Says? Come on, don't you know how to play this game for crying out loud? Simon Says, yeah, Simon Says, put your hand down. Good, good, okay, and then Simon Says, stand up. Turn around. Oh, not bad, only a few, okay. Okay, sit down. No, Simon says, sit down. You have to wait. Like, some of you are just bad at this, like I'm telling you. Now, um, Simon says, open your Bibles. Simon says, sit down. Yeah, Andrew, you missed that. Yep, yeah, sit down. Simon says, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. And Simon says, let's get to it, okay? Now, who in the world is Simon. Like, have you ever wondered that? I, I tried researching a bit this week, and I'm like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Silly game. Um, because, but one of the things that I noticed, and I knew would happen as we would play Simon Says today, some of you were like, oh, really? I'm not playing. This is dumb. Some of you were like, this, you, know, like you can't be serious. I, I didn't come to church for this. Or, or some of you were also kind of half-hearted. You're like, okay, whatever. And, and some of you, it made you feel a little uncomfortable. You know, playing this game, and um, and some of you were just all in. Many of you with reckless abandon, and I love it. I love it. But this isn't a you know what, and and, and and that's just a game. But what we are talking about here, when it comes to following Jesus, the 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 reality is, is that when we compare how at times we follow Jesus and how we just played a game of Simon Says, we get a lot of the same reactions. At times, when it comes to following Jesus and his call upon our lives, it, 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 it can be that response. Uh-uh, I'm not doing that. That's not happening. You want me to do that? No, I'm not doing that. I, and there's, Forget that. You want me to humble? No, I'm not doing that. You want me to come clean? Nope, not doing that. Some, some here today, you're just kind of half-hearted. Just like you were playing Simon Says, kind of half-hearted. Some of you were confused. You didn't even like, "Uh, I don't even know how to play it. Maybe maybe you've never played Simon Says before. You were deprived as a child or something like that. I don't know. Some of you begrudgingly played. And in the same way, some of us begrudgingly are following Jesus in these days. And some, and I trust many, I trust all of us, by the end of our time here today, we would follow Jesus with a reckless abandon. I'm all in. I'm all in to do what Jesus asks and what, he, what he, he, he calls of me and asks of me. Now, there are different versions of Christianity that are all around us. You see different versions of Christianity in books, on websites, podcasts, and in churches. A, a form, forms of Christianity that doesn't look like the Bible at all. And, and it doesn't look like what we see here in the call of Jesus Christ in Mark's gospel. You see what's happened over the last 2,000 years. Christianity has morphed. It's morphed significantly. From one pastor I was reading from this past week. He calls it vending machine Christianity. Where God is like the divine vending machine. And we put in a few coins. And we make our selection. And we hope what comes out is what we were asking. And what we are hoping for. What we are uh, trusting for unhappy, unfulfilled, unsuccessful, come to Jesus and he will help you with your life. He'll help you with your family. He'll help you with your business. He'll help you with all your problems. Just come to Jesus. Now, this version can be very compelling and it often can be used to draw people in and it can draw a crowd. It can fill churches. But oftentimes it just draws a crowd and fills a church for a while and after a while people just walk away and say, it didn't work for me. This is the form of Christianity that puts me at the center, me on the throne. But the Jesus call is different. The Jesus call is, come and die so you might live. Come and die so that you can really, truly live. Come to me and, and, and it will, might, no, it will make a dent in your income. Come to me and it will change your plans. Come to Jesus and, and, and your, your dreams and your hopes, your relationships will change. Come to Jesus and, and don't be surprised if you are maligned, if you are mocked, if you're rejected, and the way that our world is, go, is, is going, even perhaps jailed or persecuted. But this kind of Christianity doesn't play well in a narcissistic culture where. I am the center of the universe. And Jesus and others and his church are here for me. They are here to serve me, take care of me, and give me a good life. And take care of my family and everything else that that may come along in life. Jesus also, for many, provides simply a good insurance policy in case something goes wrong. He's that Free ticket to heaven, so you better make sure you've cashed in while you're here on earth so that when that moment comes, you'll be ready. But you see, a saving faith, a genuine faith, a life-giving faith is a following faith. He leads and we follow. And in our text today, we see the essentials of what following Jesus looks like. And today in verses 14 to 20, we've already read this, we see Jesus, we see Jesus the Messiah, we see the Messiah's message, and we see his mission. So three M's, Messiah, message, and mission. And today as God's word is proclaimed in the beautiful outdoors, we will either, every one of us, we will be compelled to move forward in obedience and faith, or you will be repelled. And a no answer or a just, I'll think about it, is a no answer. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, there's no neutral ground. And today we've been praying that God's Holy Spirit would be moving in every heart. Just as we were singing a few moments that he is at work. He is moving in every heart. He's wanting to move. Even the most on fire, get at it, believer in Jesus Christ. He's wanting to move us to obedience in a greater way, in our lives. Greater mission, greater opportunities as well as to the person who has never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have a chance today, an opportunity, to pray and to to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. And I trust that if you've never done that, that you would answer the gospel call today. And if you don't, you are saying, no, you are rejecting the one who gave his life for you so that you could really live. And I pray that for all of us here today, that we would be like these four men who were out fishing one day, who were going about their work and the Jesus call came and they were there and they were ready and they were obedient. Would we be ready and obedient to respond to his call today upon our lives? And so the first we see in the text today, we see Jesus the Messiah. Look at verse 14 and it says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. Now mark the writer of succeeded where the first Adam failed. And when it came to temptation from the devil, he showed us how we, he set that example, how we can fight and face temptation in our own lives using the mighty word of God. Now between verses 13 and 14, as I said, there's about a six month gap. Jesus, the start of his ministry for that first six months But it can even be closer. It can be within you. Now the word for kingdom that Jesus uses here is different than uh, than what we might automatically think of when we think of the word earthly kingdom. Because it's not an earthly territory. It's not about land. It's not about borders. He's talking about a throne. He's talking about the kingdom of our heart. It's your heart. It's my heart. And it's the heart of everyone who surrenders to him as Lord, as Savior, as King. And what happens when that when that takes place? He invades our life and he takes his rightful place on the throne. It's not on earth and territory, but one day it will be. One day we are told in Revelation 21 when we read that one day Satan will be defeated once and for all and cast into the lake of fire and will be there forever and ever. And at that point the eternal kingdom of God will be established forever for those and only those who got off the throne of their lives and let Jesus have his rightful place. And you might say, I did that. I did that already. I did that five years, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. No, this is a daily and a constant decision that we must be making because we want to continue to keep throwing ourselves back on the throne. And so truly following Jesus begins by understanding the King's rightful place and submitting our lives to Him. Second of all, we see the message of, the, of, of Jesus. We must receive His invitation. We must receive His invitation. Look at what it says, the last part of verse 15. It says, repent and believe in the gospel. And God's word tells us that we are all born with a sin condition and disposition. And with our sin, our selfishness, our pride, our hate, our anger, our lust, and so on, we have offended a holy God. We all have done that. And despite even trying to live a really good life, and you know what? I'm looking out over you folks here today, and I believe that most of you have lived and are living a pretty good life, a very good life. You're trying to obey. As many laws as you can, maybe not a few traffic laws, you know, but that can catch up to you. But and and it's easy to compare ourselves with with other. Well, at least I'm better than that person. You read that about that issue in the news. You see that in the states. You see that in Toronto and Vancouver. Here downtown Kelowna, in 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 the Mission, different things. And like, well, I'm not like that drug dealer. At least I'm not like that person. I'm not like that pervert, you know. And and so we can compare ourselves in this way. And yet we realize that we have all fallen short, that that we have that we are in needing to repent despite trying to live a good life. See, a person cannot be saved. A person cannot go to heaven or walk with God apart from repentance. And how do we know that? Because Jesus said it. What did Jesus say? Repent and believe the gospel. And churches today, the Repentance is a bad word. It's an R word. I was in one situation where I was told by church leadership, I was told, you say repentance too much. We're a mature church. We don't need to repent all the time. And I'm like, you lie. You lie because you're a sinner. And we need to continually develop a life of confession and repentance. We need this in our lives. And sadly, it's become a lost word in many gospel presentations. Instead, we say, well, God has a better way. Follow him. Or come to know the Lord. Or make Jesus your forever friend. Okay? And you make Jesus your forever friend, and then, you know, and so you pray that, and be my forever friend, and come into my heart. And and, and, and we pray these things that that don't even resemble a gospel call. Yep, you're in. Good. And we're banking on that. So many people are banking on a false confession of faith. And what we need to do, as Jesus said, we need to repent. Well, that word repent might scare people off. We don't want to offend people. We want to draw a crowd. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. No, you know what's offensive? You know what makes people uncomfortable? Hell. Hell is uncomfortable. And forever is a very long time. And so I will offend. I will make you feel uncomfortable. Have you received the gospel call upon your life? If not, you are going to a Christless eternity in hell. Secure that today. The first thing Jesus says, first words out of his mouth, repent and believe. Repentance is to have a change of heart that leads to a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Repentance is so being encountered by the kingly rule of Jesus recognizing His holiness, His authority, His power. It's knowing and understanding that I have sinned and repentance is agreeing with God. Yes, I have sinned. I have fallen far short of the standard, which is perfection. It's recognizing and confessing that my life is a disintegrating, shambled mess. I wonder how many today, if you were to be honest, longtime churchgoer even, You would look at your life, you would look at your family, you would look at what's going on in your head and saying, right now it is a disintegrating, shambling mess. Is shambling even a word, Eric? Probably not. I don't know. But that's what it is. It's just, you don't even know how to describe what's really going on. Especially when you see what's going on in the world, and we got worked about this and that, and all these different things going on, and it just just seems like everything is spinning out of control. We need to, repentance is... My life has been a mess and it is a mess. But I need to repent and I need to confess that my best endeavors, my best pursuits, my best good works aren't enough. What it is is waving initially and every day that flag of surrender, that white flag, and saying, I'm done, I'm done, I give up. But that's not defeat, that's victory. That's life. This is where true life begins. When we die, unless a kernel of grain falls into the ground, it dies. It just remains a single seed. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of gospel effectiveness in the lives of people as people come to faith in Jesus Christ as we get on Jesus' mission. And Jesus says, repent. And then he says, believe the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. That Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus, the servant king, he died the death that you and I deserve to die. Christ in my place. Christ in our place. And when he conquered death, rising in victory, completing the payment for sin, defeating death, sin and death, rising again... When we believe this and accept this and receive this and by repenting and then be, to, repenting from our way from our sin and believing in the gospel his victory is our victory. We have the King of Kings taking center stage taking the throne of our lives. John 3:16 summarizes this so beautifully. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. But that word believe, when you look at it, it just doesn't mean, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus as a historical figure. I believe in Jesus and what he did. I believe in Jesus just in the same way that I believe that Sir John A. MacDonald was the, um, wasn't he the guy that started McDonald's? No, no, it's that Sir John A. MacDonald was Prime Minister of Canada. Was he the very first Prime Minister of Canada? Was he? Okay, good citizens we are. We we know our history really well. And and so just as we believe that, no, to believe in Jesus is to cling to, to entrust, and to build our lives upon. That's what that word believe means in John 3.16, not just having this, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. It means relying on, clinging to, trusting in him. And so in response to the good news, in response to what he did for us on the cross, we notice that. Every church service this morning, I noticed that um, the, the cross uh, wasn't quite set up yet. And, and it was just behind here. And, and, and they're trying to figure out where it goes. You notice that every Sunday, regardless of what's going on, we have this cross. I mean, this thing has traveled some serious miles. It's been cut down, made shorter. Today it's propped up. and that Because it is that reminder to us of what Christ has done. That's where new life, that's where real life Real living, that's where eternity begins. It started at the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, the beautiful cross. It's believing that He, the King of uh, King of the world, the King of the universe, that He loves me. It's coming under His rule that He wants his absolute best for our lives. And so out of gratitude for what He has done, in awe, in love. We surrender our hopes, our dreams, our plans, our minds, our families, our sex life, our financial life. We put it all under His kingly rule, which is the Word of God. We follow His Word. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when society is moving far away from the Word of God, we adhere to it. We don't adapt it. We don't soften it. We don't morph it into something easier. We take the Word of God and we desire to live it and follow it and proclaim it. And this repentance and believing in the gospel is a continuing ethic in our life. Because we drift. We drift. We don't lose our salvation, but we lose our joy. We lose our strength. We lose our focus. We get back on the throne of our lives. It's king me, and I'm in charge. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus gave a stern warning to churches. I think these are a good day for us to be looking at those and and encourage you to read in Revelation 2 and 3 this week the warnings that he gave and said, Where does Hope Church fall? Where do I fall in personally in the observation and declarations and the call that Jesus made? Well, in Revelation 2, we see that Jesus was, was calling the church in Kelowna, or I mean, church in Ephesus, which was a good church. It was a really good church filled with good people. Who worked hard, but they were drifting away from their first love. And they lost sight. And what did Jesus say? He said, repent and do what you did at first. What did we do at first? We repent and we believed in the gospel. We keep coming back to the awe and the amazement of what Christ has done for us. John Owen said this, fill your affections with the cross with the cross of Christ, and you will find no room for sin. Did you get that? Fill our affections with Christ, with the cross of Christ, and when we fill our affections with that, there's no place for sin. There's no place for pride. There's no place for arrogance or or, or playing with the things of this world because we want to live for, and please, King Jesus, have you initially... And are you continually, even today, submitting yourself to Christ's rule, his authority in your life? Have you received his invitation to repent? If you haven't today, after the service, actually during the final song, there's going to be opportunity, there's going to be people here that would love to pray for you and you need to cement that home today. We'll have prayer partners to pray for you, whether it's for salvation or whether it is an area in your life where it's just like, I need Jesus I need Jesus in a greater way. I've been filling, I've been on the throne of my life and I need to get off. I need to submit to Jesus. Have you received that invitation to repent? Have you believed in the gospel? If yes, we go to number 3, which is the realignment to his mission. This means being all in, all in for Jesus. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now, if you grew up in church, you know this story, and you probably know the song that goes with this, right? How many of you know the song? I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fish. Oh, I'm butchering that. Someone else could. Well, anyways, and, and you can do it with the actions, even, right? You know, I will make you, and you, you know, fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you, no, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. And what does he say? And it goes on, if you follow me, if you follow me, if you follow me. If you follow me, this is, this is the call. We love this story. It's a great, whether you know it already, you've heard it before, you've read it, and even singing stories like this. But there's a danger because familiar, familiarity can breed contempt and it can lose the impact. Because when you think about this, this is a crazy story. It really is. Some guy shows up at your workplace this week and says, Hey, drop those tools. Hey, drop that pen. Hey, drop whatever's in your... Drop that food. Let's go. Follow me. And it's just like... you know, Or if they showed up at your front door. And, and, and they're like... And, and, and they say to one of your children, one of your, let's say, young adult children. And they say, Hey... Come on, follow me. And you're like, no way, no, just hold it. What's going on? I'll follow you, all right. I'll follow you with my phone, and I will record everything, and then I will follow you right to the police station because we're going to have a little chat because something's clearly not right. If some stranger walks up to you and says, hey, follow me, let's go. Drop your nets, I have a plan for you. We wouldn't do that. What if Jesus said to you today, And I believe that he is. To many of us. To all of us. Hey, what do you need to drop? What's in your hand and you need to drop it? Let's go. These guys had successful businesses. They had family. They had friends. They had a good life. And yet here's the crazy thing is, they did it without delay. They didn't stop. I mean, they just followed. That's so strange. The audacity of a command. Hey, let's go. And... The immediacy of the response is just amazing. Now, we must understand that this wasn't their first contact with Jesus. We see from the other gospels that these men had heard John the Baptist preach and responded to that repentance call to get their lives ready and prepared for King Jesus because he was coming. Some of them possibly even heard Jesus preach. And yet... They had come personally to that point being convicted and convinced of his identity. Hey, this is God in the flesh. And this is what he's calling me to do. They were convinced of his authority. Because either they saw for themselves or they heard what took place in the Jordan River. This is God in the flesh, creator, sustainer of the earth. And so when he calls, I follow. When he calls, I go. They believed And upon doing so, they dropped their nets, they dropped the cast right perhaps in the middle of throwing it out there, they stopped mending their nets. You see, they were busy, they were hard at work, they were glorifying God, they were giving that full shovel. But now in this moment, Jesus begins to entrust his mission to people. Up until then, until this point, Jesus was just proclaiming the kingdom. But now he's like, now it's going to be on you guys. Now it's going to be on all of you. And he calls the four. And then later there would be 12. And he expands that call a little later on in Mark to all disciples, to all who would be followers for all time and place. We are not simply to be containers and sponges of grace. We are to be conduits of the grace and the love of God to others. And we've got this so wrong. We've got it. We think we're good. And so we go about living our lives. No, we are to be conduits, not just receive it all. And the dropping of the nets, the abandonment of them represents a radical change in their lives. That word follow means a summons. It means to obey. It means to imitate. It means to accept Jesus' authority over our lives in all areas of our life. These guys were giving it all up to follow a guy they hardly knew. But they believed in his message and they believed who he was. But so oftentimes we follow, well, I'll follow on my terms. I'll go, I'll give it up, I'll do it what you want. As long as you do this for me, let's negotiate a little bit. Or we do it on my timing. Well, I'm not ready to give it up yet. I'm not going to follow you quite yet because I've kind of got my own mission right now. I'll get serious after college or after I'm married or after the kids are out of diapers or after the kids are out of the house or after I retire or after I conquer that sin or after I get ahead financially or after I sow my wild oats a little bit more and then I'll follow, then I'll get serious. I'll follow, I'll get on on mission when I'm good and ready and right now I'm not good and ready. No, the Jesus call is saying you are good and ready, let's go. What is that good and ready work he's calling you to today? You read that about that NFL player who this past, just last week, I think it was this past week or the week before, successful young guy, great career, gave it up and said, I'm going into ministry. God's calling me into full-time ministry. And that's what he was answering the gospel call and the call to mission in his life. God may call us into something radical In serving Him and going to Bible school and going to seminary. Being a church planter. Stepping into areas of leadership and you think, oh man, that's not me. Following Jesus will impact every part of your life. He will impact. Following Him, it will impact your family. It will impact your job, your decisions, your future, your finances. It will cost. But it will be worth it every day in heaven we will say it was worth it all it was worth it all we have no idea of the discussions or the conversations the farewells the angst in the heart of these disciples i'm sure it was real but mark that wasn't the point of mark's gospel here in writing this otherwise you could probably write three or four more chapters in this part the story and the focus is is jesus jesus is the king Jesus becomes our life, our hope, our peace, and our future. His mission becomes our mission. His zeal was to come and to seek and save the lost. And His zeal is to be our zeal as well. And yet, let's face it, we're so zealous for so many other things, aren't we? So many other causes, so many different goals and dreams and plans we have. And let's face it, things are dark out there. And they're getting darker. We have to rejoice this past week with Roe versus Wade being overturned in the States. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord, yeah. (laughs) An answer to prayer. I know people try giving themselves credit for that, but, but we credit the power of prayer and we are thankful for what's taking place. And yet on the other hand, we're saddened and we're concerned. Maybe a little ticked off when the Canadian government in response pledges to expand abortion accessibility in Canada. That can anger and frustrate us, but folks, we don't need to be afraid. Or the online streaming bill that was passed this past week. We don't turn and we don't run from the darkness. We don't. We run into the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. Caring and proclaiming the message of hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, you are the light of the world. He's entrusted the light of the world, the gospel message, to his believers. To his followers. And so we don't run from the darkness. We run into it with the light of Jesus Christ. We don't hide it under a bushel. No. What are we going to do? We're going to let it shine. Remember that? Let it shine all over Kelowna, Okanagan land, I'm going to let it shine. We go into the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. And look who he picks for his mission. He finds the best of the best, the most gifted, the most talented, the most put together people you could find. (laughs) You're right. Look at these guys. I mean, and the others. Oh, there's Matthew, the tax collector. I have my eye on him too. And Philip, that guy asks so many questions. Or Thomas, oh, man, that guy just is doubting all the time. No, he calls people, listen, he calls people in need of grace to be tools of transforming grace. Do you need his grace today in your life? Yes, you do. But he calls us to be people who will carry that message of transforming grace to the lives of others. He calls broken people to enter his mission field. I think if one of you guys could just help that person back there, they probably are a little surprised in what they're finding here today. He calls broken people to enter his mission field. These guys were fishermen. They lived in the sticks. They lived at the Sea of Galilee. They had no seminary training. They were socially insignificant people. They worked in the trades. And yet Jesus... Even though he had his hands full with these crew, these crew of four and then later twelve, he starts a worldwide movement with them. He starts the mission of God. And he started with a Galilean carpenter and some fishermen. He would go to a cross. He would wear a crown of thorns. And he would come and he would subdue the rebellion. That is in the heart of us people. He forgives our sin and he desires to reign on the throne of our lives. And continue his work through us as broken people. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads today. And just as the band comes up and the prayer partners are coming forward. And just as... That's happening just with your heads bowed. I'm just going to talk a little bit more and some things for you to think and to reflect on. As a result of these truths today, have you been compelled, convicted to move forward in obedience and faith? I pray that you have been. I pray that you haven't been repelled. I hope you're not pushing away. Don't do that. And if we are compelled, he's got a great plan in store for us as we move forward in faith and obedience. But if we're repelled, if we're pushing away from him, your life is going to become even more of a confusing, unsatisfying mess. What do you need to drop today? Where do you need to get off the throne of your life Perhaps you need to drop to your knees and repent and believe the gospel. You need to get saved today. Surrender your life to Christ for the first time. Repent and believe the gospel. Brothers and sisters there at the tent would love to be able to talk, you, talk with you and pray with you in regards to repenting and believing the gospel. Or like the four disciples who dropped their nets. Those nets represent them being in control their provision, their future, their lives, their identity, their livelihood, all wrapped up in those nets. What needs to get dropped today? Where are your affections? What has your heart? What claims your desires and your thoughts throughout the day? Is it King Jesus and his mission or is it King you? Who do you need to go to and tell A lost and dying person in a lost and dying world. That the greatest love, the greatest love story is of a king who died for his people, who died on a cross. And his victory, his forgiveness, and his life that he offers is beyond compare. What do you need to drop today? Would we stand amazed? Would we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus? And today, if you want to repent and to believe today as we are singing or right after the service, you head on over to the prayer tent. For the rest of us here today, I want to give every one of us an opportunity. We don't do this a lot, but we've got a lot of room here. We don't have a lot of room in the German hall. You're going to step forward into the sun out of the nice shady seats and you're going to come and you're going to Stand towards the cross. I'm just going to ask you guys. Yeah, just spread out a little bit so that cross is like front and center. And it's just like, I need to drop the net today. I need to drop what I've been holding. I need to drop the control. I need, to, I need to drop my fear because it's keeping me from living the life of obedience. I need to drop my job. I need to drop a relationship because it's not honoring to God. I need to drop an addiction. I need to come clean in an area in my life. Respond today as we sing of the beautiful, lovely, amazing Savior. And would our song forever be, you are so marvelous, you are so wonderful. Let's stand together and respond. Be compelled today. Don't be repelled, but compelled. In your heart of hearts, make the walk, make the move today.